0: wild man of Gadara. uh, i got to get out of the way. Brother Logan Sargent. Now, I know that this is kind of novel among apostolic churches, but I really do believe that one of the functions... And one of the responsibilities of the local church is to raise up other men and women to affect the work of God in the earth. And so from time to time, several weeks ago, we, Brother Jared Marks preached. I understand he preached a great message. And uh, <clears throat> Brother Logan and Sister Carissa have done an incredible job as our youth pastors Now, you don't get to preach Sunday, because it's kind of like taking the training wheels off your bike. And um, he has preached several times here, and there is just little question that God is with him in a very special way. Uh, We want to honor his parents. We want to honor his grandparents. They all have done a tremendous job. And... Without any further delay, Brother Logan Sargent, come and preach to us. Give unto us what God has given unto you. Come on, let's give that praise
1: unto God. Come on, is he worthy? If you got breath in your lungs, give that praise to God. Come on, I'm glad I'm not laying flat on my back in a hospital room right now. I'm in the house of God. I'm with the great physician. He is willing and able to do all things. Give that praise. Give him praise. He's worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's no question that God is in this house thought for a second there that I was going to get out of preaching. (laughs) There was a little glimmer of hope lie at the end of the tunnel. But God, I want God's will, not my will. I give honor to my pastor and Sister Mayo. I'm so thankful that God has placed a pastor in my life to take a broken vessel like me and encourage me to stay on the potter's will. And so I'm so thankful. Love you guys. I give honor to every single great man of God that has stood in this pulpit. I today I recognize that I am the least of them. I also give honor to this youth group, these young men and young ladies. Thank you for letting me be your youth pastor. It's been one of the biggest blessings in my life, me and my wife's life. I also give honor to my wife. I love her so much. Being married and being in the ministry is kind of like being on a team. And if you've ever been on my wife's team, You would know right off the bat that she's competitive and she wants to win. And she's the same way when it comes to the things of God. She wants to win. And I'm glad I'm on the Lord's side today. I'm glad I got her on my team. She prays with me. She fasts with me. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. come to preach faith in this house. And I figured that was the type of response I was going to get, because I've been battling the spirit of doubt all week. And if God has ever spoken to me, he has spoken to me for this service. And I stand in this pulpit trembling. Not because I'm in front of a crowd, because I know that this death stands as a mediator between souls and eternity. And I've heard every single lying voice of doubt and unbelief trying to discourage me. Don't you realize, Logan, you're a young man? Don't you know that you have to see the blinded eyes open to preach faith? Don't you know that you have to see the dead raised to preach faith? Let me tell you about Moses real quick. Where did Moses' faith come from? Moses didn't have faith after or due to the Red Sea parting. Moses didn't have faith when he he had faith, but it, it, it came from an encounter with God at the burning bush. That's where Moses' faith originated and was birthed. And I truly believe, I truly believe this. God wants to operate on us. God wants to operate on us. He wants to cut doubt and unbelief and implant more faith. More faith. And whatever happens in this service today is not because of me. It's because we serve an almighty God. We serve a powerful God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 6. I'm going to read three passages of Scripture. Mark chapter 6, verse 5. This is speaking of Jesus when he comes back to the city of Nazareth. And he could do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and went round about the village teaching. And if you have Luke chapter 7, verse 9, this is the account of the Roman centurion of his faith. And this is Jesus. When Jesus had heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And one more passage of scripture. Luke chapter 18, verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And I want to preach to you today about the resuscitation of faith in the apostolic church. The resuscitation of faith. In the apostolic church. Can you raise your hands? Those that have faith. I I need you to tap into the spirit right now. Lord in the name of Jesus. Let faith be in this house. Lord I pray for great faith. A measure of faith to be in this house. Lord I cast out unbelief. I cast out fear in the name of Jesus. I cast out doubt in the name of Jesus. Let faith come on, stir up the gift that is within you. Stir it up, church. God wants to do a work here today. We've got to have faith. We've got to have faith. That's it. Come on, tap into the Holy Ghost right now. If you got the Holy Ghost, pray in tongues right now day ah, so cool that's it I feel it I feel faith building in the house I feel faith building in the house you may be seated If our walk with faith beheld the similitude of a house, that foundation of the house would be faith. This church, what we call religion, is built upon faith. Christians, those that receive salvation, are referred to to as believers. But what is faith? Faith Refers to persuasion, moral conviction, belief, trust, confidence, fidelity, faithfulness, or assurance. Hebrews 11, verse number one says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. At the very heart of it, faith is the very thing that binds the relationship between the believer in God. The Word of God from front to back exhausts the importance of faith in the Almighty God to the reader. The very Word of God was established and built upon faith. The Old Testament is replete with examples of faith. The Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11 shows us this. It was by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was translated, and he should not see death. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not as seen yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness. Which is by faith, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out not knowing whether he went through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised By faith, Abraham was tried, offered up Isaac. By faith, Moses was come to years, refused to be called son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, he forsook Egypt. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. Faith is the essential component in our walk with God. The very process of salvation requires faith. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says, "For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We are commanded to walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says the just shall live by faith." Peter writes that throughout the work, or throughout the walk with God, our faith will be tried. First Peter, chapter one, verse seven says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perished, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. At the end of the Apostle Paul's life, he reported, "I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course." And I have kept the faith. From the very day of salvation until we draw our very last dying breath, we will fight to keep the faith. Satan understands the power of one's faith in the hands of the Almighty God. And Satan is after one thing your faith. He knows if he can get your faith, he can get your relationship with God. If he can get your relationship with God, he can claim your soul. This is why in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, verse 32, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he might sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee. That thy faith fail not. Jesus didn't pray against Satan's desire to sift Peter as wheat. He prayed for Peter's faith to fail not. The reason why Satan fights faith with such an intensity is because he knows if faith gets connected with the name of Jesus, it becomes an unstoppable force. Mark chapter 16, verse 17 through 18 declares what happens when faith in the name of Jesus partner up. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Don't be mistaken, Satan is after your soul, but first for him to accomplish his desire, he must first defeat your faith. Satan is in a war for our souls, and he wants to fight you tooth and nail for your faith. The problem is, this church has been lulled into a false sense of security. We have been deceived thinking that if we have faith, no matter the measure, that we are okay. We are safe. All we need is faith the size of the mustard seed, and God will do it. God will keep us. The truth of the matter is, is that one can have faith and doubt at the same time. The problem is, God help us. Lord, in the name of Jesus. When the disciples walked past the fig tree that Jesus had cursed because it bare no fruit, verse 20 says, And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, You shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast out into the sea, it shall be done. If ye faith and doubt not. The Gospels are recorded many times. Jesus rebuking his very own disciples for not having faith. These were the very men that walked with Jesus. They witnessed the miracles and the wonders. No one was closer than the disciples to Jesus, yet he rebuked them, saying, Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Even Peter, the only mortal man on earth to walk on water, was rebuked for his lack of faith. As Peter stood in the boat and saw his Lord walking on the water, he cried out and said, Bid me to come, Lord. And as Peter stepped out of the boat onto the water with faith, he looked up at the waves in the tormenting sea and began to sink. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? See, Peter, he had enough faith to step out onto the water. But his faith to continue walking was suppressed by unbelief, fear, and doubt. And so the tactic of the enemy is to combat faith in the name of Jesus, is to insert a seed of doubt into the mind of man, which this then leads a believer to have faith to bring a petition or a request to God. But in the back of our minds, there's this resounding voice. What if God doesn't answer your request? What happens if God does not answer your prayer? What happens next if God doesn't heal you? we got to have a plan B. What do we do next if God doesn't come through for our finances? Therefore, doubt doesn't disregard faith completely. But doubt causes us to distribute faith into other areas. Rather than placing all of our faith in the hands of the almighty God, we distribute it. Rather than putting all of our faith in the hands of the great physician, we place a little bit of faith in the hands of the doctor as well. Instead of putting all of our faith in the God who created the heavens and the earth, we put a little bit of faith into the financial system. Just in case God doesn't come through. Rather than putting all of our faith in the Messiah, We put a little bit of faith in Donald Trump, hoping to get us out of this mess. Come on, I got more faith in Jesus than Donald Trump. I got more faith in the Messiah. Jesus, the name of Jesus is greater. The name of Jesus is greater. Come on, if you got faith, if you got faith, worship him right now. Come on, I feel it building up. There's faith in this house right now. Lord, I'm not going to limit you with my unbelief. Lord, whatever you want to do in these last days, God, I'm right behind you. All of my faith belongs in you. I put all my trust into the hands of Jesus. Come on, if he can create the world in six days, six days, he can deliver you out of your situation If he can form man out of the dust of the ground, he can heal your body. Jesus. Jesus, give us faith. Let there be a healing of faith, God, in this house. Jesus. Jesus. Uh, Acts chapter 6 says, Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And Stephen full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. And so I come to you today to preach doubt out of this church. I've come to you today in the boldness of the Holy Ghost to preach fear out of this place. I've come to you to preach unbelief out of this place. You don't belong in the hearts and the minds of your people. Full of faith. Full of faith. Full of faith. We need to be a people full of faith, standing in the boldness and the confidence of our God, who is our Savior, who is our Deliverer, who is just and able to do all things exceedingly and abundantly. Jesus, In scripture, in Mark chapter 9, we see this coexistence of faith and doubt. A father, here in Mark chapter 9, has enough faith to approach Jesus to request that he heal his son who has a dumb spirit. The account of Mark describes in detail of the torment and the state that this boy is in and wheresoever he taketh them he teareth him and he foameth and gnasheth with teeth and he penneth away and I spake to thy disciples that they shall cast him out and they could not and he answereth them and said O faithless generation how long shall I be with you how long shall I suffer you bring him unto thee and he said unto his father how long is it since this came unto him. And the father responded, said, of a child. Scripture says, And oftentimes it ca- it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Pay attention to this. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23 says, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Pastor, I could only see that this is playing out in my mind as this father comes with a request Lord, please help my son. If you can do it, if you can deliver my son. And I could only imagine as Jesus turned and he came to that man and pointed him in the chest. If thou canst believe. See, your miracle is not dependent on God, it's dependent upon your faith. If thou canst believe. If thou canst believe. Thou canst believe. All things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father, of the child cried out and said with tear, Lord, I believe. Help thou, mine unbelief. See, the father had enough faith to bring his son to Jesus. But he didn't have enough faith to see him healed. God wants to help our unbelief today. God wants to help our unbelief today. Oftentimes, our measure of faith is exposed through the sequence in which we seek God. I know I've told this story over this pulpit before, but God convicted me of this. (laughs) So heavenly. (laughs) Friday night at Summit, I was working just on the medical team here at the church, and all of you probably know the story. A baby went into cardiac arrest during service, and as I was grabbed by one of the ushers, I saw the father trying to resuscitate the baby before mouth to mouth. God convicted me. My medical training has been a, such a crutch to me and a crux that even though I was in the house of God, I relied upon my training and my medical skills to resuscitate the baby. And as several minutes went by and we were performing CPR and 911 was, was called, a man came out of that men's restroom seeing the situation. He didn't ask to help, he didn't try to do anything to help, but he came over and he laid his hands on the baby. Begin to pray and seek the great physician. And here I am. As several minutes go by, I'm in the house of God. On Friday night at Summit. And I didn't even think to seek the great physician. I didn't even think to pray. I, didn't even, I, wasn't, I wasn't even aware to seek his face for a need for a dying child. God convicted me. (laughs) And as we handed that baby over to EMS, I pleaded, God, aren't you still a God that does miracles? Aren't you still a God that heals? Aren't you still the God of the book of Acts? God, you promise Greater than these? Where is the faith in my grandfather's generation? I thought I had faith, God. I prayed. And God spoke to me. And He smote me and said, Why didn't you seek me first? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Church, God does not like being picked last. God wants to be picked first. He should not be playing B or C. See, we do a good job of giving our first fruits. This church is a testimony of us placing our money first into the kingdom of God. We place him first in our finances, but there's not enough preaching about seeking him first for a need, seeking him first for a healing, seeking him first for an intervention. Help our unbelief. Help our unbelief. If we are going to see the miracles that God has promised we are going to see a surge of backsliders come through that door, if you're going to see that 2023 is the greatest year of revival this church has ever seen, we have got to have faith. We have got to put God first. We have got to trust him with all of us, all of our faith, full of faith, and full of the Holy Ghost. We have got to have faith. We need an operation of faith in this house. God. God, purge our unbelief. God, cut it out. Cut out doubt in my heart. Cut out doubt in my mind. I feel the anointing right now. I feel the the hand of God. I feel faith. I'm walking in boldness right now. Come on. Build up that faith. Build up that faith. Build up that faith. Greater is he that's within me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, convict us. One of the problems pull up Hebrews chapter 10 verse 3 or uh, yeah 38 this just came to my mind now the just shall live by faith but if any man draw back my soul shall have no pleasure in him I don't know about you I want to please God some of us has, has come to this church and when we were saved we had more More faith in God to deliver us from heroin, alcohol, drug abuse, nicotine, a perverse lifestyle. At the very beginning, as time has gone by, we have not gone from faith to faith. But if any man draw back, if God has given you a measure of faith, that is the bar you need to remain at. You cannot go below it. If God delivered you from heroin and depression, God can get you a better job. If God delivered you, if God delivered you from alcohol, broke the bonds of nicotine and pornography, God can heal your body. He can touch your back. If any man draw back, My soul shall have no pleasure in him. I want to please the king. I want to please the mighty God. I want to please him. I want to please him. If God has given me a measure of faith, I'm not going to draw back. I'm going to increase. I'm going to increase. We've got to have faith. Mark chapter 6. This is Jesus returning home to Nazareth. And I can only imagine here as Jesus makes his way back to Nazareth. I can imagine in his heart, he arrives with an eager, an eager anticipation to heal. These are his friends and family. He is eager to answer their needs. He is eager to heal maybe even some of his own family members. But he arrives with gladness in his heart to heal the very people he loves. And verse 2 says, And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many, hearing him, were astonished, saying, From whence hath he man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such a mighty works are wrought by his hands? Verse number three, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Hoseas, or Jose, and of Judah, and of Simon? Jesus had a Mexican brother. Praise God. (laughs) And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. The voice of doubt resided among the people of Nazareth. Saints hear this, do not doubt the voice of prophecy. Don't doubt it. Don't get familiar with it. Don't get comfortable with it. Don't doubt the voice of prophecy. Because his own people gave room, they gave space for doubt. And he could do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Only doubt can suppress what God wants to do in your life. Only doubt can suppress what God wants to do in your life. And I'm rushing through this. I know I'm short on time. Verse number 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief went round about the village's teaching. This word marvel here is unique in Scripture because it's only used by Jesus two times in the New Testament. Once in Luke chapter 7 and here in Mark chapter 6. Marvel is defined as to wonder by implication to admire. In other words, Jesus is in shock that he did not find faith in Nazareth. Surely, if anywhere he would find faith, it would be among his own people. Surely, news of his ministry has spread to his hometown. And healings of miracles, surely among his family and friends would he find great faith. But he marveled because of their unbelief. Let it not be said for Cornerstone. Not after all the revivals. Not after our great men of God. Not after having great men of God stand in this pulpit and prophesy of the coming revival. And prophesy of the backsliders that are on their way right now. And prophesy of the great surge of revival. Let it not be said for Cornerstone that there's unbelief in this house. Let him not show up and marvel at our own belief. Luke chapter 18. This is the parable of the unjust judge. And he spake a parable unto them to the end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, there was in a city ju- a judge which is feared, not God, Neither regarded man, and there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, avenge me of mine adversary, and he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. This woman, she was persistent in her plea. She came daily to the judge to seek vengeance. She was faithful. She was consistent. And unlike the unjust judge, God has heard the cry of his people. He has seen you knock at the door day, day in, day out. He's seen the continual prayers until your knuckles are bloody and beaten. You've been knocking He's seen the tears that have been shed. He's seen the groans of a parent that has a lost child. He has been a witness to the wails of his people. And he comes to avenge the request and the pleas of his people. He wants nothing more than bring your lost child home. He wants nothing more than to heal your body. He has heard the request for revival. He is more than willing to avenge his people. But for God to avenge his people, it is contingent upon one thing. Will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith in Cornerstone? Will he find faith? Mark chapter 11, verse 23. For verily I say unto you, Whatsoever say, shall say to unto this mountain, be thou removed and thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he, hath shall, he hath saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe him that you receive them, that you shall have them. Here's the problem. We've allowed doubt to creep into our prayers. We are faithful to bring the petition. We are faithful to bring our needs before the Lord. We have allowed faith and doubt to coexist in our prayers and shall not doubt in his heart. We have got to get rid of doubt in our prayers. We have got to get rid of unbelief in our prayers. Will he find faith on earth? And so how does doubt even get into our prayers at first? We are faith-filled. But how does doubt get in? Luke chapter 18, verse 3 through 4. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. God will allow time. To happen, to test your faith. Can I enlighten you? Your trial is not a test of God's faithfulness, but it is a test of your faith. The reason why God allowed Israel to go through the wilderness for 40 years is that he was trying to get them to pass the test of faith. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19 says, So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So this is why God will put us through the same trial over and over again. Because he's trying to give you another opportunity to pass the test of faith. The reason why one generation died in the wilderness is because they had the disease, a disease of unbelief. I am in awe of a people that saw saw God do some of the greatest works in the Bible, but they still had unbelief. They had unbelief that God would even bring them to the promised land. So God, God wants nothing more, Cornerstone, to bring us to a place, to the promised land, to revival. Let's worship him right now. <laughs> Come on, tap into the spirit right now. Tap into the spirit right now. Musicians, you can come. Last night I was here at the church just trying to find the face of God and the will of God, just praying. And this scripture came to my mind. It just, it broke. It snapped something within me. It broke a cord in my soul. Mark chapter 11, verse 23, verse 24. For verily I say unto you, that whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever whatsoever he saith. therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe, believe that you receive, receive them and ye shall have them. That word receive is translated in the Greek as to get a hold of, to accept, or to have hold, and to obtain. And as I read, read that scripture, God <laughs> convicted me so heavily of praying with doubt, praying with fear, praying but questioning the "what if," the "what if." I am not. I am not. Over my dead body will I limit God by my unbelief. If God wants to do a work in me, I am not going to limit him. I will not limit the mighty God. In church, God wants to do a mighty work in these last days. Do not limit him. And as I was praying here last night, I began to receive it. I started praising him for what he's going to do. Pastor, I grabbed that box right there. It has names full of black backsliders. And I said, thank you, God. Thank you for bringing him home. Sister Kelly, I prayed right there where you're standing for your son to come home. And I thanked him. I looked like a crazy person praying. I lifted up his hands and I prayed for him. And I thank God. Mom, I prayed for your healing. I claimed it in the name of Jesus. Young people, I laid on that pew right there for these young men, and I wept bitterly, and I said, God, you're going to use them. You're going to use them mightily. And I thank God for every young man and every young lady that you're going to use in these last days. I claimed it. I came to these altars, and I laid over these altars and wept. And I thank God for laying down, God laying down every sinner, every backslider that's going to enter through those doors. I, lay, I, I thank God for every pack of cigarette that's going to be laid on these altars. I thank for every, every backslider that God's going to bring in this year. I thanked Him. I claimed it. I'm holding on to it. I will not loose my grip. I will not loose my grip. I will not d- let doubt come in and weaken my grip. I give no space for doubt. I give no space for unbelief. Man of God, if God has called you to be a blessing to the ministry through financial systems, through, in, in a financial way, claim it. Claim it. Hold on to it. If God promised it, come on! If God promised it, His promises are yes and amen. If God promised you that your backslider friend or your backslider son or daughter is coming home, claim it in the name of Jesus. Don't give space for doubt and fear. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel faith. I feel an old-time anointing on me right now. I feel boldness in the Holy Ghost. I feel boldness in the Holy Ghost. God said it. If God said He's going to use me, I'm not going to doubt him. Convict me, God, for ever doubting you. Young man, he can use you. Young man, he can use you. Young woman, he can use you. Do not doubt it. Come on, I got more notes, but I, I want the Holy Ghost to move right now. Come on. Come to this altar with a clenched fist. Claim that promise right now in the name of Jesus. Come down here and hold on to it tightly, don't let go of it. They say Come on, God! I'm not gonna doubt you. I'm not giving any place for
0: doubt.
1: Listen to me right now. God wants us to do the holy, this, the holy Ghost right now. Pastor, if this is appropriate, please, please. Please make sure I'm doing this right. But God, God spoke this. This is what he wants us to do. Every elder that has faith, find a young person and pray that the faith that you have will be transferred. When God comes a Cornerstone, I don't want him to find a faithless generation, but a faith-filled generation. A faithful generation. So if you have faith, find a young person. If God has given you a promise, hold it in your fist. Hold onto it tightly. Bring it to this altar. Do not let doubt or fear or unbelief loosen your grip. Re re shi re shaka tada ba 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 no moro shoko re 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 no re re